This is 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect at CarrieCharles.com. And now, here's Carrie Charles. A 2017 report from Deloitte Consulting estimates that the U.S. will need 130 to 150 billion more invested in fiber in the next seven years to support 5G. This translates into 1.3 million miles of fiber to provide full 5G service. Now, this is just in the top 25 metropolitan areas alone. But to provide 5G everywhere, the total is much higher than this. So today I'm talking with Chad Rasmussen, the CEO of Cable Runner, about the challenges with fiber deployment and some alternative solutions. So Chad Rasmussen is the president and chief executive officer of the North American division of Cable Runner International. Before joining Cable Runner, Chad was a national and regional director for Crown Castle, where he was responsible for the deployment of thousands of miles of fiber and thousands of small cells. Prior to Crown Castle, Chad was a director at NextG Communications, where he successfully deployed over 10,000 small cells. Chad, thank you so much for being with us today on 5G Talent Talk. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me uh, today, Carrie, and thank you for that uh, nice background summary and introduction. So, Chad, tell us more about Cable Runner. So, Cable Runner is an innovative fiber service company which utilizes our patented product and procedure to install fiber in existing storm and or sanitary systems. Our parent company, which you referenced, Cable Runner International, is based in Vienna, Austria, and has a 20-year uh, track record. In fact, the, the technology was invented in uh, Vienna by the head of public works, whose incredible vision saw a way to tap into this underutilized resource for more than, well, the obvious, I guess. Um, kidding aside, our, our technology offers a significant advantage in terms of time, cost, safety, and resiliency, given its placement in this uh, existing sanitary or storm infrastructure. So, Chad, you have been in this business a long, long time, and you know fiber. So what challenges are companies facing today with fiber deployment? Well, I would say, in general, you know, municipalities, their, their first challenge starts with permitting and permitting volume. There are thousands of applications hitting the uh, desks of public work staff all over the country, uh, even as we chat today. The challenge is that they all have to be reviewed and processed, and there's simply not enough people to do this. Um, I would say that permits are often delayed as they become associated with, uh, um, I should say, fiber permits become delayed as they're associated with wireless locations or small cells. So in spite of, you know, state and uh, federal legislation in many of the areas in, intended to streamline a, a permitting process for fiber and or small cells, many uh, folks are still struggling. Many cities are still struggling with how to handle um, the vertical and wireless component of, of 5G technology. Um, you know, additionally, I've heard stories about uh, cities being concerned with land banking of fiber which uh, is delaying permitting for otherwise enterprise-related fiber. Um, and what I mean by that is a, a city might think the uh, 
uh, a carrier or a cable company or anyone who's looking to install fiber is uh, they're actually placing fiber um, ahead of small cell deployments. So kind of anticipating that um, uh, small cell infrastructure in the future, which can be contentious. So as a result, the legitimate enterprise applications for connecting you know, hospitals, banks, businesses, and such are, are being delayed in that process as well. So. so what other challenges or barriers to fiber deployment do you see? Well, aside from the aforementioned permitting delays, um, I think cities are, are struggling with not enough uh, field resources uh, in the form of, you know, a city or, or public works inspector. Um, if you can't get the, you know, the city inspector out to kick off your project um, or provide you final inspections in a timely manner, you're going to be delayed. Um, so I definitely see that as one of the challenges. I think another issue a lot of companies are dealing with, uh, especially with respect to fiber deployment, are locates. Um, locates, which you know means marking out the existing uh, utilities or infrastructure, um, before you you dig or drill or go to place fiber um, uh, in the ground, um, there, there's a challenge or, or not enough locators out there to complete this task. So um, along with the inherent risk related to fiber cuts and, and other utilities, there's also a public safety issue associated with, you know, gas line or other critical uh, infrastructure utility hits. So bottom line, if you can't get your locates completed, uh, and more importantly, accurately completed, there are also risks to both your project getting started and public safety. Um, and, and, you know, again, that you can get into the contractor side of things. I think there's um, been a shortage on the uh, qualified and expertly trained contractors and, and folks to, to complete all of this work in the field. Um, there's just a ton of competition for those, uh, those resources right now. And I think that also creates another dynamic related to, you know, cost and, and, uh, availability. It, you know, w- with so much infrastructure, as you, you referenced, uh, in your introduction to be deployed in, in such a short period of time, um, there's just not enough folks out there to get it all done, especially, you know, good qualified uh, folks. So I think that one is another one. And then interestingly enough, I hadn't really thought about it until uh, uh, earlier today, it came up in another uh, uh, issue we were dealing with, and that was a right-of-way shortage. Um, Space in the right-of-way, in the ground, where do you put all of this fiber? Um, It's just not infinite. So a lot of cities are dealing with a, a challenge of where to allow that fiber to be placed. And as a result, you're starting to see it shift, you know, not so much in the in or, or excuse me, under the sidewalk or in a, a traditional aspect of the right of way, as it were, but more towards the, the center of a roadway or an area that you just traditionally wouldn't see fiber being placed. Thus, you know, shameless plug, the, the table runner system offers kind of a unique solution for that, given the, uh, the, the sewer and storm uh, infrastructure is, is already there. So with all of these challenges, and I hear there's just, there's many, and I'm sure we could go on and on about the, um, the barriers to fiber deployment. So is this going to delay us? I mean, we're already a bit behind with 5G. So how much is this going to delay us? 
Well, I mean, I think it's probably a little challenging to, you know, qualify a, a, the, the delay and, um, you know, kind of that U.S. Uh, being behind others, if you will, in the race to 5G. But the fact is the U.S. needs fiber everywhere um, to continue to be a place of, of opportunity, you know, new ideas and, and economic growth and development. Uh, in order to achieve this, I think we need the appropriate municipal, state, and federal government support. And I think that comes in the form of, of leadership uh, standards and, and subsidization. But the, to the point of leadership, we need private and public uh, leadership that understands the importance of fiber and communication networks as a whole. Um, I believe it's safe to say that we have strong private leadership in the U.S., However, we need as strong or stronger public leadership. Um, therefore, you know, I think it's important for private leaders to help educate and inform public leaders about new technology and innovation, which could help accelerate fiber and 5G net- network deployment. Uh, this should include uh, difficult, however necessary, conversations about regulatory and, and policy-related issues, both, both good and bad. So, you know, that's a critical component. I I think um, standards um, we need to to think of and have new ways of looking at the existing infrastructure and resources, uh, whether that's in the form of shared poles, conduits, and or fiber. Um, And, again, looking at unutilized resources such as storm or sanitary sewers for fiber deployment. You know, and and one more thought there on uh, that, Carrie, with respect to subsidizing these builds. In order to achieve the ubiquitous 5G coverage, uh, especially in rural communities, government subsidies or or aid in bridging the digital divide by getting fiber and broadband access to those areas, which are typically challenging to address in a carrier or cable company's return on investment, I think are essential uh, uh, for us to, to keep you know, to keep up or get ahead in that race to 5G. Yes, you are so right about that, Chad. Uh, Let's talk just a little bit about the, you know, the workforce. And you've mentioned that a few times here, even the municipalities, there's low unemployment, the demand is high, the supply is low of people, the field resources locates. Um, Is there any way, you know, in, in your view that we can build or strengthen our workforce to, to really assist us here. I mean, it's obviously tough. Everybody's talking about it. And, you know, it, it's one of these things that's not easily solvable. Well, I, you know, this is a tough one to address, given I think I'm talking to the uh, the absolute expert in the field with respect to that, given <laughs> your, uh, your background and uh, um, what you do, Carrie. But as far as that's concerned, I know there have been different programs out there that target, you know, former military uh, uh, folks coming out of the military. Public awareness, I think, is important. A lot of these jobs are are great jobs. They're fun jobs. They're, you know, I think our industry has great people to work with. Um, I think that they're well-paying jobs. And, you know, I just think it's a simple matter of of public awareness. You know, I don't know what the educational system looks like today, but I didn't study for my current job. I I fell into it, if you will. Um, And frankly, there's a family history that I have in in the industry that helped me, you know, get to where I am and what I'm doing today. 
But without that, I don't know that I would have ever known that these careers existed. And I certainly think they're pretty amazing. So figuring out how to, how to you know, bridge or, or create a bridge towards public awareness and informing folks that these opportunities are out there, I think, is probably the most unique challenge we had to help, you know, addressing the need. I agree. I agree. Now, Chad, I see this on your bio that you worked as a tower hand when you first started. Is that true? <laughs> That is true. Yes, I uh, I could go into several embarrassing stories about that, but um, yes, I was a uh, I was a tower hand actually while I worked my way through college and mostly in the uh, uh, Pennsylvania, the great state of Pennsylvania, where I did most of that work. So I did. Yes. Okay. So this is a true success story in telecommunications and i think that we need to uh to get you out there as the poster child for going from a tower hand to a ceo and i love it i absolutely love it that's great (laughs) you're you're too kind thank you so much just shows you what you can do in this industry that's awesome chad so the you know you mentioned the military and i i couldn't agree with you more i'm former military and I do believe that we can work harder in this area to get more of these folks to join our industry. There are thousands and thousands of people leaving the military each month. So I think that is something I agree with you that we can focus on even more. Uh, Chad, let's talk more about Cable Runner because we want to, you know, we want to look at this alternative solutions and innovative solution. That's exactly what Cable Runner offers. So tell us about, you know, how does this technology solve many of today's challenges with fiber deployment? Well, you know, again, starting with the uh, permitting time delays, you simply, your permitting is minimal um, in, you know, utilizing the cable runner uh, application. Um, The engineering associated with it is, is, you know, using largely existing infrastructure. So, it, it, it cuts down on the timeline associated with that. Um, you know, your, your permits are almost minimized to uh, a traffic control requirement, which is fantastic. Um, your costs are considerably reduced given that you're, again, using that existing infrastructure as well. So, um, again, huge benefit. And then the, uh, I'd say the other components are related to time to market. Um, we can deploy very quickly in those existing facilities. Uh, so your, you know, your your project timelines and the the demands related to rapid 5G deployment are addressed. And lastly, it's incredibly resilient. And what I mean by that is, if you have a, uh, you know, your fiber placed in literally a concrete encased uh, sanitary or storm sewer, um, it's it's well protected. So. Fiber hits, which are pretty common in our industry, they impact, you know, resources and time as well as operating expense and margin. So having uh, your fiber in the protected environment of that sanitary or storm sewer can be uh, um, a very effective tool um, to help minimize the, you know, all of the things I just mentioned. Sounds like a disruptive technology that we truly need right now to to make 5G happen. I mean, look at all the challenges that we're facing. And, you know, we're behind in the U.S. And, you know, everyone is 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 just racing against one another to get 5G built. And it sounds to me like Cable Runner has the solution. 
Well, I, you know, I definitely appreciate the term disruptive. I think it's, it's relative, but I also like to use complementary um, as we look to help support everyone in this endeavor. And, you know, I think there's a, a potential vision or a growing concept around the idea of, of more open access type of networks and fiber related infrastructures is our goal. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like that term, Carrie. And I like complimentary, too, because it's about working together. And I agree with you that I think that's the way that we're going to make this happen is work together. You nailed it. it. It is a shared endeavor, I think, across all of the points that we've referenced today. And um, without that collaboration and cooperation of public and private entities to accomplish the goal, we're going to we're going to fall behind or. Or in some cases, some might argue stay behind, but we can catch up if we figure out how to work better together. Chad Rasmussen is the president and chief executive officer of the North American division of Cable Runner International. Chad, where can our listeners go to learn more about Cable Runner? Um, certainly check out our website, cablerunner-usa.com. And uh, there's some, some information there. And uh, can get us uh, get in contact with uh, myself or with us through the website. Chad, thanks so much for joining us today on 5G Talent Talk. Well, thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate you uh, having me and thank you again. And thank you for listening to this episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers and Broadstaff 5G Talent Solutions. I really want to connect with each and every one of you, hear your feedback. You can reach me at carriecharles.com. I'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions, brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect with Carrie at carriecharles.com.